Our scripture reading this morning comes from Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Grace Kids, ages pre-K through second grade, is now dismissed, and you may be seated. Well, we are in Proverbs 31. You may know that Proverbs only has 31 chapters. Uh, So we're at the end of the book, but we're not done with the series. There were some unique scheduling things that we moved Proverbs 31 here, uh, but we do have two more weeks in Proverbs 31. And there are also, there are only 31 verses in Proverbs, uh, 31 verses in this chapter. Uh, The typo in the bulletin, that's actually my fault. So sorry about that. When I decided that we were going to have nine-ish weeks in Proverbs, I knew we were going to take selected passages. We weren't going to walk all the way through it. But I didn't know which nine I would pick, but I knew that Proverbs 31 would be one of them. Because Proverbs 31 is one of the most misunderstood, misused, and even abused passages in the whole Bible. So it was really important to me that we get some time in Proverbs 31. How many of you, I'm curious, have been through either a Bible study or a sermon addressing this idea of a Proverbs 31 woman? I'm just curious. Okay, a lot. College students, a lot of you. Okay. So, unfortunately, and maybe, maybe they've been great series and sermons. I'm, I'm not going to ask if they were good or not. But, unfortunately, most of the Bible studies and sermons that I hear on Proverbs 31 is teaching women what kind of wife they need to be. That's not what's going on here. That's not what Proverbs 31 is doing. It's not, they're not saying you need to be this, this P31 woman. I've heard people say that. It sounds more like something you'd order off a Mexican restaurant menu. But So the problems with understanding Proverbs 31 to be primarily telling a wife what she needs to be are many. For one, the main audience of Proverbs was who? 
young men. Okay, so he, that, that was young royal men who might rule in some way, someday. That was the original audience. So we have an audience issue. We also have a context problem. Contextually, Lady Wisdom is not a real wife. This is, she is wisdom personified in the most attractive possible way to a young man. So, so what is that going to be? The perfect, hypothetical, perfect wife. Solomon's goal is to, is to draw these young men and us into a deep desire for wisdom. And so the purpose of this passage isn't to put the spotlight on the perfect wife. The, perfect, the purpose of this passage, that's a lot of peace. The purpose of this passage is to put the spotlight on wisdom, lady wisdom, so that we would desire her. Third problem even if you don't know anything about the audience or the context, it's not, it doesn't take long reading Proverbs 31 to realize th- this is a perfect person. I mean, this, any, any woman, any married woman that reads Proverbs 31, God bless you. You have to immediately feel guilty and under the pile. I mean, just look at the things that she does. She wakes up before the sun to make food, not only for her husband, but for all the servants. And then she stays up all night making merchandise to sell the next morning. She is both a night owl and a morning bird. What's wrong with you women? <laughs> Sleeping in and going to bed early. I'm actually the opposite. I'm, I'm like early to bed and late to rise. That's, that's my ideal. You know, I was, I was at a conference certainly makes me feel guilty. Uh, I was at a conference this week and I was starting this sermon a little later than I normally would. And it was Friday morning and I was leaving the house and I, and I asked Angela, what, what do I need to know about a Proverbs 31 woman? And without any kind of hesitation, she said, you didn't get one. (laughs) And she's right because that's not what's going on here. She also said it would remind everybody that she had a lot of servants that might be helpful too. But I mean, if you, you read what all this woman does, it makes you wonder where, what in the world does she even need with a husband? I mean, I imagine the husband here to be this lazy guy watching TV while the wife makes the food, the wife cooks the dinner, the wife makes the clothes, she earns the money, she deals with the kids. I mean, she, just, she has no need for a husband. She can do everything great on her own. And of course, the passage starts out by saying, an excellent wife, who can find? And I almost titled the sermon, Seriously, Who Can Find? And if you are going to argue that this is an actual real wife, this is an actual real woman, and this is, this is the standard, and I don't think you should argue that, but if you are, you then have a verb issue too, because all the verbs in this passage are in the past tense. So it, it's, if, if you were to interpret that way, you would have to interpret as the things that she has done cumulatively over the course of her life. So it would be like somebody praising Angela in her 80s and saying, you know, Angela was so great. She stayed at home with four kids. She discipled an army of women. She was an accomplished writer. She made extra money uh, for the family as a licensed counselor. She maintained a beautiful garden and she traveled the country speaking about marriage. Technically, all those things are true, but never did all those things happen in one day, one week, or even one year, maybe even one decade. This is, if you are going to interpret that way, you have to deal with this verb issue. The point of this passage is to show us how incredible lady wisdom is. Lady wisdom is who's being put up here, uh, who we are to desire. Desire lady wisdom the way a young man would desire the, the perfect idyllic wife except weighty wisdom is even better 
Uh, one, I, I do, most of you know, I discuss the sermon a lot during the week with the interns. And one, we were talking about who this person was and one unnamed OGC intern said, you know, it, it, why, it wouldn't make sense that Solomon write this whole thing on wisdom. He'd say, this is what wisdom is. This is why you should pursue it. This is how you pursue it. Here's wisdom applied. And then finished by saying, go marry Wonder Woman. That doesn't, that doesn't fit the context This is Solomon's final, last, and greatest plea. Embrace wisdom. Pursue wisdom. Now, does that mean that there's nothing we can learn about marriage from this passage? No, we can can learn things, but only once we understand who this lady wisdom is and what it is we're being called to do. So basically, that's what I want to do with this passage. I want to look at how, how beautiful lady wisdom is, the call to lazy wisdom, that's the first part. And then the second part, I then want to look at what, what we can and can't do with that, how we can and can't apply that in marriage today. So first, the beauty of wisdom. We see a lot about the beauty of wisdom in this passage. First, we're told that wisdom is valuable. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Why are jewels precious? Because they can buy you stuff. Jewels can buy you security, they can buy you a house, car, clothes, vacations, they can buy you a lot. But there's something about Lady Wisdom, she can purchase you something that all the jewels in the world can't purchase you. There's something about Lady Wisdom that, that is so much more valuable, we would willingly give up all the jewels in the world that we could have her. Because with Lady Wisdom, we can buy things in this life and in the next life that no jewel can touch. You can purchase with wisdom emotional and spiritual security that no jewels can can purchase. You can purchase good decision-making skills that are going to bless you and those you're around. Jewels can't purchase that. You can purchase praise from those who know you the best. You can purchase the ability to be a good mom and a good dad. Not a perfect one, but a good one. Verse 11 says that you can purchase trust from your spouse. Verse 12 says you can purchase the ability to do good to those around you and not bad. You know, you see certain people that, that do not walk in wisdom and it's just like this, this trail of just catastrophe behind them. Wherever they go, it's just that things aren't going well. There's collateral damage all over their life. Wisdom allows you to purchase a life that will not be like that. Wisdom can purchase you the ability to sober up. Wisdom can purchase you the, the ability to love and forgive more deeply than you could do on your own. And then wisdom can purchase you the ability to sleep with a clean conscience. Jewels cannot buy those things. This is why wisdom is so much more valuable. And then second, wisdom blesses her household. This is verses 13 through 18. It talks about how Lady Wisdom blesses her home financially. She works hard and she's not working begrudgingly. She's working willingly with her hands. She goes and she makes these things. She sells these things for the family. She's able to to acquire expensive things. Says she's able to acquire exotic foods, foods from other far off lands, which really is not that impressive to us these days when we can just punch a few buttons on our phone and food from anywhere in the world just magically pops up at our, at our doorstep. But that was a big deal once upon a time. I mean, imagine living in the 1500s and your, your, your spouse comes back with food from China. 
That's a, that's a big deal. She had th- these unbelievable abilities to bless this family. Lady Wisdom rises early in the morning and blesses you before you even get up. She works during the day, as I said, buying and selling things. It says she buys a field, and then she not only buys that field, she plants that field. She has servants, but she's not afraid of manual labor. She plants that field. And I was just thinking, like, what would it be like if, if your spouse came to you and said, hey, uh, your wife came to you and said, honey, just so you know, today I bought a corporation, I reorganized it, and it's now, uh, it's now making us $10,000 a month. <laughs> what did you do today, sweetie? I mean, that, that wisdom is doing that. Wisdom works for you in that way. And, and there is a real financial blessing to it. And if for some reason that strikes you as, as approaching the prosperity gospel where health, wealth, and, um, and finances are the, and prosperity is the end all, well, you go back and listen to my sermon titled, Do, Do Proverbs Promise Too Much? And we address that there. But there is a real financial blessing to wisdom. And I think it's worth mentioning one of the most outrageous applications from, from this passage. So in, in the, the theological stream that would say this is a real woman, they would also generally say that women are prohibited from working outside the home. <laughs> the bulk of this passage is her working outside of the home. So you, you, you can't interpret it that way. Now, I will say for those of you who are desire and able to have a spouse at home during the early years, praise God. I'm very thankful that, that we were able to do that for a season. But there is no prohibition on women working out of the home. And you can see that primarily in this lady wisdom. Verse 17 says she dresses herself in strength. She isn't taken advantage of and she protects those who embrace her. Then at night, once you go to sleep, Lady Wisdom is not sleeping. She keeps on working. She's making money for you all night long. She's watching out for you all night long. Verse 18 says, her lamp does not, uh, her lamp does not go out all night. You have to sleep. You have to take breaks, but not Lady Wisdom. She is constantly working for you. Lady Wisdom puts the well-being of her household ahead of herself. And not only does she bless her household, she blesses the entire community. This begins verse 20. Lady Wisdom helps the poor and the needy. She causes the the downtrodden to be blessed and to flourish. She brings dignity to people who do not feel like they're experiencing the dignity that God wants for them. She again protects people, but this time it's not a protection like a, a protection from bad people. She protects you from the elements. In verse 21, it talks about the clothes that she made. They're not only beautiful, but they're strong and they protect you from the snow. They don't fear the snow because of the clothes that Lady Wisdom has made and provided. And then Lady Wisdom, in verse 23, we can see that she honor, she brings honor to all those who embrace her. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates and he sits among the elders of the land. Just knowing Lady Wisdom, being in a relationship with Lady Wisdom, makes you known in the gates where the, the most important conversations of your community take place. Anyone who embraces Lady Wisdom will experience an esteem in the proverbial gates of society. Verse 26 says she's kind and caring. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She only wants the best for those around her. She's not thinking of herself. She's thinking of everyone else. How can she lift them up? How can she restore them? 
And you think about this lady wisdom. Can you imagine, guys, a more attractive way to put wisdom in front of you? And, and if there's some sort of disconnect, women, I don't think it would be uh, outside of what we can do with the text to say, well, call it Sir Wisdom. Because the, the, the focus is not necessarily on husbandry or, or wifery. Is that what you would say? I don't know. But the focus is on wisdom, wanting us to desire wisdom. So then the question is, all right, we all desire it. How do we get it? Well, when we realize that we're not talking about a real woman, well, then pressure's off you wives in a lot of ways because <laughs> you can't be this. No, no husband can be this for their wife. Once we realize it's not a real person, we're able to really understand this is pointing to Jesus. Lady wisdom is foreshadowing Jesus Christ. Who else is going to work around the clock while you sleep? Who else offers you something more valuable than all the jewels? Who else offers to change your hopes and your desires? Who else works hard and sacrifices that you might be blessed? Who else takes on a burden that you might be praised? Who else brings you honor and esteem just by being in a relationship with him? This is Jesus this, Jesus is who Lady Wisdom is pointing to, is foreshadowing. Jesus is where true wisdom resides. And only in him do we find Lady Wisdom. Only in Jesus are we blessed in every possible way. Wisdom brings flourishing because wisdom brings us to Jesus. Jesus brings us certainly... <laughs> A financial flourishing because when we make prudent decisions, we work hard and we have integrity. That's going to bless us financially. But it brings emotional flourishing because we're able to sleep well at night knowing what Jesus has, is, and will do for us. And we are able to flourish spiritually because we are connected with the God who we were made for. Jesus, he took on the shame of the wrath of God on the cross that we might be honored in the gates of eternity. Lady wisdom is pointing us to Jesus. And all the blessings of this lady, they're offered to everyone right now. If we believe in Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, if we give our lives to Jesus, then he will bless us in every way that lady wisdom is promising to bless us because he is the true fulfillment of wisdom. So this is the climactic ending to the book. And there are things that we're going to look at. I mean, does that mean there's nothing here to learn about being a wife or husband? No, we're going to look at that in a minute. But this is the climactic ending. Solomon is wanting us to see wisdom and to desire it at the deepest possible level. And so he's saying it makes sense that, that, a, that the perfect wife is what these men are naturally desiring the most. So let me use that to point them to wisdom. But whatever it is that we desire most in the world, Solomon is wanting us to look at those things and see how wisdom is even better. And now that we see who Lady Wisdom is and where Lady Wisdom finds her fulfillment in Jesus Christ, now, yeah, we can go back and look at how we can and can't uh, use these teachings in marriage. So first, and I think you've probably already seen this a little bit, Lady wisdom isn't to be applied only to women. I mean, so we are 
there, once the guilt of perfection has been removed, all right, nobody's going to be a P31 man or woman. That's just only Jesus. All right, once that pressure has been removed, then yes, there are things to emulate in, in ourselves and to search for in a spouse. There's some good principles here. But this isn't the standard by which all men and women are held in marriage. Second, that leads me very naturally, we can't hold women to this impossible standard. That's not the design of Proverbs 31. So in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, talking about marriage, he says, and this mystery is profound. That is the mystery of marriage. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So all of our marriages, if, if we believe in Jesus and we're doing our best, they are going in some way paint the faintest of pictures of the ultimate marriage that is going to happen in Revelation 19 between Jesus and his treasured possession, his great love, his bride, the church. And only that bridegroom is perfect. Only that redeemed bride is sinless. So this isn't a standard that we're supposed to meet. It is pointing us to something that will be given to us at the end of time. So we can't heap guilt on people to be this perfect P31 person. Third, we need to see what it is that makes Lady Wisdom so desirable. Because it, it actually, it isn't because she's kind. It isn't because she's strong. It isn't because she's valuable or industrious. Lady Wisdom is desirable. In verse 30, we see because she fears the Lord. And we've talked about this this. this term fearing the Lord. It means it's not like a cowering fear of what God might do, like some God in heaven with a taser or a stick ready to get you anytime you get out of line. That's not the kind of fear that's being communicated. Fearing the Lord means loving him so much that you want to honor him with all of your life. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And this woman, Lady Wisdom, is doing that. And you know, I think everybody I've ever i got to be careful to say that. Most people I've ever met would agree Jesus was a real person and that he was the most influential person ever to walk on the earth. Like, atheist his historians would all say that. Even if they don't believe his God, think there's problems with the Bible, they would all say, yeah, Jesus changed the course of human history more than anybody else. But the reason he did that, this is the part that they don't see if you don't believe in him, is that he didn't do that through like a political charm and beauty. And actually, if you look at Isaiah, we read that Jesus didn't have a lot of charm and beauty the way that we would describe charm and beauty. The reason Jesus changed the world is because he perfectly feared the Lord with his life. And everything he did, he loved, honored, and served God the Father. And so this is what makes Lady Wisdom so desirable. And this is what makes Jesus clearly the fulfillment of Lady Wisdom. And this is something that we can talk about in terms of in terms of marriage specifically how we find a spouse so we've got a little college section here and and we have some kids out here too and I said no we we have people that want to be married one day and when Angela and I were in college ministry we would frequently be asked like how do I know the kind of guy or girl that that we're that that I'm to marry how do I know that this is an okay thing and there were a few different things that that we would walk them through but one of them we, we would go here and we would start with fearing the Lord because, well, let me read verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So we would say, you know, charm or personality, it's not saying that's a bad thing, 
But if somebody, a guy or a girl, has enough charm, they can, they can like, hide the fact that they don't have the most important thing. So, so charm's good, but like, that's, not what you, that's not the foundation you build a marriage on. Beauty is a good thing. He's not saying it's bad, but it goes away. <laughs> That's why it says it's vain. Some translations say it's fleeting. Beauty goes away. So best case scenario for Angela and me, one day we're going to be old, wrinkly, fake teeth, and new distribution of hair, hair growth. Like, I mean, that's the best case scenario because beauty goes away. You can't build a foundation on that. But a woman or a man who fears the Lord, they're depraised. So when you're looking for a spouse... I hope my kids are listening back there. When you're looking for a spouse, can you tell that they fear the Lord? Not just that they say they're a Christian, not just that they go to church. Can you tell there's this love for other people more than themselves? Can you tell that their values and their decisions and the way they spend their time, it's different because they know Jesus. And it's not that they're perfect, again, only Jesus is perfect, but can you tell that they really love God and they love Jesus enough that it changes and reorients the ways that they live their life. That's the first thing that has to be present for you to, to continue to pursue a person as a spouse. And then, my goodness, if you get charm and beauty on top of that, great. All power to you. But we start with a spouse who pleases the Lord, or fears the Lord. He or she is to be praised. Fourth, and this is last... In Proverbs 31, we get to see a picture of the perfect marriage that we will all be in one day. Marriage is one of the main themes of the Bible. The Bible starts with marriage. It talks a lot about marriage. With, you know, when God has his strained relationship with Israel, he uses marital language to talk to them. And at the very end of the Bible, in, in Revelation 19, we see the final marriage that, that will happen between Jesus and all of his people who will make up his bride. This is the ultimate the perfect marriage that will happen at the end of time. This is why Solomon, I think, personifies wisdom in this form of a marriage because he's not just saying seek her and he's not just saying have her for a night or for a season. He's saying commit to her the way that you would a marriage for the rest of your life because that's the kind of commitment God wants from his people. He is jealous of our love and our affection because he loves us. And I would... I think it's important to say, because remember, marriage as good as it is and as blessed as it is, it's not the ultimate thing in this life. We're, our marriages, they point to something greater. And so we have this backlash now on the church when it comes to sexuality and gender confusion uh, and, and identity. And I think the church has actually contributed a lot to that problem because in the church, we have raised earthly marriage as like the end all of, of life, the most important thing that we can do. And if we lift something up that high, not realizing how many godly single people have existed over the course of human history, not to mention Jesus himself, the apostle Paul, Augustine, C.S. Lewis till later his life, John Stott, we, we put them aside and then we make marriage the end all. Well, when marriage is the end all, then it becomes a human right. And when it's a human right, then it's an identity issue. But the Bible says who you marry in this life has nothing to say about your identity. Who you are eternally married to, that's where your identity is found. And so we've created and added to the confusion that we experience in the society. 
I love officiating weddings. I don't get to do nearly as many as I used to when I, I've always lived in college towns, and I guess technically we still do, but you know, it's not the same. I love officiating weddings because what's going on at a wedding is so much bigger than those two people. And so I got to do a wedding last week, Ben and Allison, and those of you know who Ben Alderman, uh, it won't surprise you to hear me say, I don't think I've ever seen a more excited groom-to-be in my life. <laughs> and Allison's super in love and excited to be there too. Ben just takes everything to a whole other level. But as happy as they are, as in love as they are, and excited as they were, there was something going on at their wedding that was bigger than both of them. If you look at the end of the Bible story, again, Revelation 19, you will see the wedding of all weddings. The marriage of all marriages. Jesus' wedding to his bride, the church. And I think you could say that God's purpose in this world is to bring his wayward bride to a wedding that is so rich and so powerful and so joyful and so intimate that the only way we can describe that day is to point to the love of a bride and a groom on their wedding day and say, there, something like that is the way that Jesus loves us. The faintest picture. That's where our identity is found. That's where Lady Wisdom is leading us to the greatest satisfaction of our deepest desires and that is only found in the consummate groom, Jesus Christ. I love in Romans 11, and I'll finish with this, where at the end of the chapter, Paul is overflowing with joy and he writes what we call a doxology, praising, praising God. It feels like Paul's overwhelmed that the Jews are allowed in, even though they, in spite of their, what we could call conventional wisdom, their desire to save themselves through their own lawmaking. And then the Gentiles, they're saved, despite their worldly wisdom, looking for salvation in all these bad places. Both groups are judged and forgiven in Jesus Christ, despite all the ways they abandon lady wisdom for worldly wisdom or conventional wisdom. And Paul writes this. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And here it is. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. None of us deserves Lady Wisdom. None of us will be Lady Wisdom in this life. And none of us deserve Jesus Christ. Even so, we're all invited. All of us. The invitation isn't to live up to this Proverb 31 woman or man. The invitation is to delight in the fullness of Lady Wisdom who is Jesus Christ. That's the message of Proverbs 31. Let's pray. God, we come to you so grateful that that you don't create the standard that we have to live up to, but you fulfill the standard. Jesus fulfills the standard for us. 
that in a relationship with him, we would be honored at the gates. We would be esteemed at the, greats, the gates, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus did, and he gave us his righteousness, and he gave us his honor, and that came at the cost of your wrath on him at the cross. God, the Christian message makes perfect sense. It is the only way that we will find our way to you. It is the only way we will flourish, and it is the only way we will we'll find true wisdom. May that be true of all of us today. We ask this through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the, your only perfect son, Jesus Christ. Amen.